When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! It is time for Hot Routes. Green 87, yes. indeed! Red 98! Think about my, my day. doing it right. I want to tell you guys about my day. Okay. So I went out there and I watched tight ends use this giant blue ball to get warmed up. Right. And then Football. I stood right next to a golf cart with speakers on it that played crowd noise. All right. This. While they were this. playing. There wasn't music. It was crowd it noise. Was crowd noise. Yes. You could hear people swearing at Kirk Cousins in the crowd noise. Or maybe that was me. I'm not sure. Probably you. Anyway, then I talked to the Vikings linebacker coach, okay? This has been a football day. So I am ready for hot routes. Ramp up the music, Jonathan. And the linebacker coach is? Don't bury the lead. It's Mike Zimmer's kid, Adam. Yeah. Nepotism at its finest. I mean, he's a really good coach. Wow. He knows Can't just be that he's a good coach. Can't just be that he's a good coach. Last names don't matter. As if you wouldn't (laughs) pick up on anything from living with Mike Zimmer. For sure. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Eating footballs for dinner every single night. Typical Judd. It's time. This is Phil Mackey's first ever and historic event here with Hot Routes. Zolgad as well, if you didn't recognize Judd's negativity. And uh, Jonathan Harrison as well. Are we officially spelling Hot Routes with a Z? We are, yeah. That was a, a Courtney Cronin edition. And I agree with it. Yeah, there was so, a. It reminds me of there was a softball team in a league that I uh, played in a couple times, and they had customized jerseys. Yeah, they were the Stunnas. Oh, and the the, yeah. the S was a dollar sign, and then the the uh, the S at the end was a Z. The Stunnas. I like it. Hot routes. Zzz. All right, we'll we'll start with Green eighty seven. 49ers wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, the fastest person I've ever seen run ever says he wants to participate in the 2020 Olympics. Now, he is a silver medalist from the Pan Am Games, so he's not, like, messing around oh, here. Yeah. He went to the Olympics before when he was in college. Guys, if you could participate in an Olympic sport, let's say that you were good at sports, which one would it be? 
Which Olympic sport would you most like to participate in if you had your choice? Race walking. <laughs> because you're P- power walking. That would get- <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that sport? Oh, yes. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's a legitimate power walk. They call it race walking in the Olympics. And I don't know because I feel like you have to have judges very much watching everyone to make sure that they aren't running a step or two. But I want to be the superhuman who walks that line right up against running, but I'm still walking very fast for a gold medal. Wow. Race walking. Wow. Race walking. Uh, summer games, I went javelin. Okay. Because like just it. throwing something that could kill a person would be fun. And Imagine the people who are trying yeah. to catch the javelin. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Have you ever seen the video of the guy getting hit with it? Oh, there was a guy. There was a yeah. guy that got it killed. Right here, there, yeah, there was a guy yeah, who got hit terrible. with it, and it like, goes and, like right in his body, and then he just like yanks it out and throws it like oh, nothing happened. Like, I, no, it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I don't him. really. Well, this is why I wouldn't do it because I don't really w- want to kill someone. I just think it would be fun to throw the thing. <laughs> I don't really want to. Kill <laughs> and then my winter sport, of course, would be ice hockey because that would be uh, great fun to play ice hockey in the Olympics. Okay, Jonathan, I'm all in on curling. Just because it looks awesome and fun and would be not as physically stressful as I think it would be, but it probably is a little bit more. Or bobsled, because I want to race down a giant ice hill in a shoot. Two-man or four-man? Doesn't matter. It all sounds Four-man feels a little crowded. Like, if you're the third guy (laughs) in the (laughs) four-man, and someone's trying to jump in behind you, and I don't know. Just get a little tight. I have no idea. I think he tried four-man. Was he? Bobsledding, yeah. It'd be fun. Interesting. So three-on-three basketball is part of the Olympics now, which is, is it kind really? of hilarious. Yes, it is. That <laughs> is, and that's oh, the most man. obvious for me. Three-on-three basketball. Ice Cube get that push through. <laughs> that's it's a real thing. How can you have the Olympics? Interesting. Still? I know. I mean, once you go to three-on-three basketball, let's just eliminate the. I believe thing. Minnesota's Paige Beckers played on the women's side for three-on-three basketball really? in the last Olympics. Right. I think, or maybe qualifying. I think, but for me, if it's not basketball, it would be archery. Because I just think that looks awesome. What the f- like just again right? well, something to I mean, kill, just, kill somebody. What about what's the sport where it's like half archery and half cross country skiing? Oh no, I don't want to do that. That's way too much work. I want one <laughs> where I can stand in one spot and shoot something. Yeah. Cross country skiing looks like one of the least fun things of all time. Well, that if it's, I were ranking really all of these, it would be way at the bottom. I got you. No yeah. love for trampoline gymnastics. That's a thing. No, I could die. Trampoline gymnastics, beach volleyball. This is this is how I know that I'm getting older. So across the street from me, they have a trampoline, and a bunch of the neighborhood kids go and play on it. And I'm always like, someone's gonna get hurt. Yep. <laughs> Every day, so you really have to oh, become the old there, guy. There the parents in this neighborhood. <laughs> You're exactly right, though. You're exactly it's right. That dangerous as kids hell. Kids fly off that thing and get paralyzed. Sometimes it's not yeah. funny. Hard pass on anything to do with moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, next one. Panda 44. Alert! Alert! Hot route. The Oakland Raiders are going to be on Hard Knocks, everyone. Yes. Two-part question here. A, will you watch Hard Knocks because of the Raiders? And B, what would Hard Knocks Score North version unveil for the world to know? I would watch regardless of team, but I love this. Gruden, Mayock, Chaos, are you kidding? This is going to be fantastic. If we did a Hard Knocks here at Score North, I think the the funniest thing and the Zim-like element to us would be when Royce is here off air, how much he swears. Oh. <laughs> yes. The, the amount of F, but I can't articulate even not saying it. Uh, if I were to tell you how much he just drops that word, you'd be like, no, come on, Judd. It's an impressive amount. 
Royce uses really words that you just can't use in society anymore. That's true. L- loudly <laughs> and in the hallway. Yeah, but, yes. but he works them in. He works them in in just the casualest of oh, yeah. conversations. Yeah, yeah. And, then an artist, says, really. and then says things like, I got a problem. Yeah, there I were, swear too much. There were many times, like, I think in the, how many segments? We probably did 12 to 16 <laughs> segments a day, 12 segments a day with him for four years. And in at least six or seven of those, I would dive across the table to shut his mic off after a segment ended because he would forget and lean back. And like you never know what the first word out of his mouth in a commercial break is. And that uh, I think that burned him once, <laughs> if I remember right. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. Who are these? No! Okay. Thanks, Pat. Um, I would say, uh, well, yes to the Oakland Raiders on Hard Knocks for all the reasons Judge just said. You've got... Like Mike Mayock's first time ever being a general manager, John Gruden, wildly entertaining. Whatever you think of him as a coach in 2019, if you're ranking coaches based on how entertaining they are on TV, John Gruden's up there. Antonio Brown. I'm going to throw out a wild card here for things people would learn about Score North if we had a hard knocks. Rami's stage fright. You guys know about Rami's Rami's stage fright? No. You guys ever? Uh, not since he's on stage a lot. I have no idea. No, not oh, that's a not the actual stage. Thing. Oh, the yeah. oh the stage fright. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise no, me. No, Rami goes to great lengths to make sure that he's the oh, only yeah, one, one in the bathroom. Oh, Otherwise, okay. he can't he can't pull the trigger, so to speak. I will say that the bathroom closest to the studio really should be a single. It should it should just lock. It should only allow one person in, at the time. You're not the first person to say that. Yeah. That's just. My, and I think like, like, like the panels are a little too wide on the on the stall. So, totally so, agree. That's so. so why I'll take the extra long walk and go down to that bathroom. Well, there was nothing this worse. This is the worst hard knocks ever. It's, it's pretty, just like Rami can't pee regularly. Yeah. Like, there was nothing worse, though, if you had stage fright at all, than the old Metrodome troughs. Oh, yes. oh, you want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, stage totally for elbow okay. to elbow. Have you yeah. guys ever worn shorts at the Metrodome troughs before? Why would you? Just I'm saying sure, yeah. that you get yeah, sure you get ricochet idea. spray uh, from other oh, people, oh and it's boy. it's horrifying. It is uh, horrifying. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to the Raiders on Hard Knocks, seeing how they're going to survive their last season in Oakland. And I think the thing that people would learn from Score North Hard Knocks is just how much beige we have in the mm, studios, incredibly and everywhere beige. in the office. There is an incredible amount of beige on the walls and on the everything here. All right. For Raiders, you guys know I love John Gruden. I will not apologize for this. I will apologize for any stupid move he makes. In fact, I think Khalil Mack trade was a good one for the Raiders because they didn't need him at the time, couldn't pay him a quarterback contract. And Richie Incognito, maybe he's going to be good at left guard. I'll apologize for anything Gruden does because I loved QB camp, and I'm going to watch the bleep out of Hard Knocks. Now, this was... When I sent this to you guys, I was hoping for funny answers, and Rami's issues are pretty funny. I was going to say, though, the just, like, the convoluted building. The camera yes. crew would come into this building <laughs> get and get lost, and we'd never see them again. Yeah. And then eight months later, a documentary would come out about our legal department. It'd be like, <laughs> the radio station was downstairs. You guys got lost upstairs. It is the most convoluted and confusing building that I have ever been in in my life. Uh, so you've been here for three years now. It took me probably two and a half years to figure out, like, how to navigate. An, there's three floors. Like, how to navigate a floor other than our own floor. And there's still corridors where if I go down them after being here for nine oh, years, lost. I have no idea where I am. Yeah. So you're, Zero I, you guys are actually lucky you weren't part-time when you had to learn the building because I came in on Sundays oh, by myself. Alone. No one here Doors to direct lock. me around. Yes. Just like, 
Uh, where do I go again? I had, Very confusing. I actually had to have Judge chaperone me up to the legal department the other day to take care of something. He actually had to show me, like, walk me up there, because I was like, no way. And then guess what happened? You went back downstairs. You got lost. I went the wrong way. I went the wrong way out. Oh, yeah, I, I took a left that. instead of a right, yeah. and I was like, what? I just walked up here. Well, That's what hard knocks for a long time. Would be. Beige walls. <laughs> Convoluted building and Rami can't, Rami can't pee when others are in within 20 feet. <laughs> For of a long time, the front door and back door of this place to, to me were a, a mystery. I didn't know which was which. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that the front door to this place or is that yeah. the back door? Yeah. Very confusing. Um, I also think just like uh, none of us have interesting personal lives at all. Yeah, we're all very, we're all very, I would say, plain and weird in, yeah. in like, ways. How so hard knocks will... Then. Exactly, like Hard Knocks, not with our content, though. That's colorful. That's true. But <laughs> Hard Knocks will go behind the scenes with somebody like, oh, look at this guy's family, his interesting story. Or like, well, Judd leaving work to go cover a Twins game. Like, no, there's Phil exciting. sitting on the couch with his cat, Tommy, watching I'm, wrestling again. I'm like playing NBA 2K, <laughs> like, yeah, this is kind of it. Yeah, Jonathan's uh, streaming nine soccer <laughs> you, you games with a spreadsheet and of soccer. A court and hug. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You got a fighting chance with Danny Cunningham. <laughs> Danny's got the most interesting H- life. It is HBO. Oh, oh wait, yes. <laughs> it's entourage life. We could spin like a Travis Kelsey reality dating yep. show off of Danny Cunningham at some point. <laughs> All right. It'll have to happen. Next hot route. Penguin 33. Omaha. Just want to hey, say Omaha. Omaha is a route concept, okay? Penguin 33. Um, if you guys were not aware of this, <laughs> and I wasn't until yesterday, Kicker Robbie Gold is holding out of San Francisco 49ers minicamp. And Kyle Shanahan says that he hopes Robbie Gold will be back for week one. To me, this is the most boss move a kicker has ever pulled. Holding out minicamp when you're a kicker, that means you're a damn good kicker. Can I ask, does he have leverage? Like, what is his leverage? He's a good kicker. That's his leverage. I think he wants to be traded back to the Bears, and I don't understand why the Bears just don't send him a draft pick for him. So he's holding they out. They should send him a first at this uh, point. But the, the Bears are doing this ridiculous thing of, okay, complete quiet, and Nagy's got no idea what he's doing with the kicker. Robbie Gold went to the um, Cody Parkey doink-doink game as a fan. <laughs> he went as a fa- He's a huge Bears fan. He loves the Bears. Just trade him to trade the Bears. Trade him back to the Bears. He'll make your field goals. Anyway, what is the most badass thing you've ever seen a kicker do? Because I think a minicamp holdout is... Up there. So I uh, I was trying to find this because I couldn't remember the name. It's actually a punter. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit off of the, the path fine. here. I was and I was I took it literally because I remember this thing on Sunday Night Football from a few years ago. A- am I stealing yours? Is that what's happening? I think so. Is it the Colts kick? Colts uh, no, it's the Seattle. Oh. The Seattle. Okay, Se- it was a Seattle Seahawks game, and uh, I found the name of it. John Ryan was the name of this punter. And I'll just describe the play as it's uh, as it's written up on thebiglead.com. There is a visual here if you guys want to look it up if you're in a position on your phones. So he got knocked out cold on a fake punt going for it on fourth and one. In the fourth quarter, Seattle faced a fourth and one at their own 27. Rather than kick it away, when he received the snap, Ryan opted to run with the ball. So he's got oh, right, an yeah. open sea of field in front of him. And he's a punter, and this is his moment of glory. He runs into the open, scampering for 33 yards and a first down. But as he was running, he lost control of the ball, stumbled, regained it, fell, and then a defender jumped and landed directly on his head, leaving him knocked out cold in the middle of the field after heroically converting a first down. And it was wildly awkward. 
That's the most physically badass thing I've ever seen a punter do. Sacrifice his consciousness for a 33-yard fake punt on fourth and one. Judd? You ask for badass, I'll give you it. (laughs) Sebastian Janikowski once roofied himself in a bar and passed out on the floor of said bar. That, that is a defensive end. That is a defensive tackle. That is an O-lineman. That is not a kicker. Seabass gave himself Rohypnol and passed out. (laughs) That's going to be hard to beat. Uh, Mine happened October 10, 2013 on Sunday Night Football. Broncos versus Colts. Pat McAfee, a punter. He's on kickoff team. And Trendon Holiday is the Broncos punt or kick returner taking the ball upfield. And Pat McAfee just levels the guy and then gets a, then gets a drug test after the game of course that, that became lore among punters Ryan yes. Quigley and I talked about it that that <laughs> hit was what every punter dreamed of mm-hmm. I got a couple um Brian Mormon punter of the Buffalo Bills oh. the hit that he took in the pro bowl from Sean Taylor <laughs> yeah he got up oh. he was not hurt he kept punting after Sean Taylor senselessly RIP Sean Taylor Laid him the bleep out. Like, dude, it's the Pro Bowl. What are you doing? You just murdered a punter. There's no off switch. But he took it. And he didn't complain. He didn't whine. He didn't say, how dare you? He just got back up with his lung in his throat and uh, went back to doing his job. Is there anything you expect less in your sport as a kicker or a punter getting laid out in a Pro Bowl, right? Like, there's nothing you would... would... By one of the hardest hitting players in the NFL. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you a couple more. Matt Barr in the Super Bowl, where the Bills lost on the missed field goal. The opening kickoff is almost returned for a touchdown if Matt Barr, the kicker, does not lay out the kick returner. So, basically, the Buffalo Bills could have a Super Bowl if Matt Barr had not laid him out. Matt Barr, a great Tecmo Super Bowl kicker, by the way, for Nintendo. I will give you the least badass thing ever. Mike Prefer revealed to us last year that Blair Walsh intentionally lost weight. And that was what caused his kicking woes and his loss of kicking power. That is the least badass thing. Yeah. I know where to send Blair Walsh to an island. All right. Here we go. See a brief. Red 43, hippo, hot route. Todd Gurley says that his knee is a small problem. And of course, no one believes you, Todd Gurley. <laughs> Give me a thing in the NFL that you can very sarcastically call a small problem domestic violence. Okay, not that. Okay. Like with just wanted to float that. Just wanted to float that one. Yeah, that crossed my mind, but I left it <laughs> off my list. I'm just throwing it out there. Phil's going hot take level here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that one sit there. What's you, yours? Jeff? You got another one? <laughs> not untrue. So you have an. You're ruin hot routes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, go Thanks ahead. Thanks for your last time here on Hot Routes, Phil. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, Bears kicking game is a small problem right now. Kicking game league wide is a small problem. Polar bears dying, Phil. That's what it is. Small problem. <laughs> I actually have three because I can never just stop at one. Matt Patricia having no people skills is just a small problem. <laughs> Jameson Winston's decision making oh. is a small problem. Cam Newton's mangled shoulder is just a small problem. A small issue. He'll be fine. Yeah, I would say. Uh, I would say Kirk Cousins' contract is just a small problem for the Minnesota Vikings this offseason. All right, now you've redeemed yourself. Accountability. He's taking accountability <laughs> now. I don't know what you're saying. Phil. You could stay. Five hundred quarterback. There are so many options. I was going to say that. Um, although this one might actually be a small problem, but uh, Robert Kraft's legal issues small problem. Wow. 
Oh, uh, I, see I what I did that. there with that? problem. right there. Yeah, right that's almost as bad as Phil. I'm not even going to take it back or go a different direction. Yeah. I'm just sticking with it. Final hot route of the day. Hot route has been canceled. Did I already do hippopotamus? <laughs> um, yeah, you did. All right. I was going all animals today. I you even have giraffe, a, li- right? a list of animals. I did panda. Anteater. You did anteater? Did I do anteater? I feel no, like you might have done anteater. No, I don't think so. Cow? Anyway. Give me a moo. Uh, what random animal can we use here? Yeah, you're. I feel like you should be using Cow? animal noises at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's just stop that. Uh, Final hot route for the day. The new general manager of the New York Jets, Joe Douglas, said it's not too late to improve the Jets roster. Fellas, give me one move that came late in the offseason that you thought would improve the Vikings roster, and you were incredibly, hilariously wrong. I'll give you one that we haven't talked about about a lot yet, but that strikes me as odd, is this pseudo-punting competition as minicamp wraps up. We're bringing in all these punters to try. Don't you ordinarily start that in training camp or something? But I would say the, the one that I covered where, because of the position, where you thought to yourself, well, this is intriguing. 2006, end of, it was end not actually of the summer, but of the exhibition season when they traded the Vikings, C.J. Mosley for Brooks Bollinger. <laughs> and we're all like, you traded for a quarterback. What's what's going on here? This could be really interesting. And, of course, Brooks, God bless him, great guy. Yeah. Smart guy. Turned out to be a good uh, high school and maybe even college coach. It wasn't interesting, and we spent a lot of ink and time talking about Brooks Bollinger. Yeah. Well, I'll give you – I'm going to give you – I have one that I'm going to go with, but I want to ask you about another one. How late in the process was Thomas to pay? Was that that wasn't like crazy eyes Thomas to pay? What's that, that wasn't what do you mean. What's wrong with me? It wasn't first wave free agency. It was definitely it wasn't like mini camp late. No, it was first wave. They brought him in. They, was it okay? They introduced him. I think they might have introduced him along with uh, Vasante Shanko. Okay, so well, yeah, he doesn't count. Well, the, the number this one all time with a bullet is, is the first one that came to my mind is Brett Favre, two thousand ten. Yeah. That was my I mean, like, oh, I know yeah. that he played for the oh, Vikings yeah. in 09, but he had re- the he kicker was going to get him. Retired free yeah. agent. They flew back down to go get him. They, br- In fact, Steve Hutchinson told a great story about that. And where Brett, so it was Hutch, Longwell, and Jared Allen. Yes. Yeah. That flew yeah. down there. Yep. And they flew, so they fly to Brett's house, and they're in the living room with Brett Favre. And Brett gets up and goes and takes a two hour nap as these guys are trying to recruit well, him come, to come play. You want to go back. And they finally drag him on the plane. They get him back to the Twin Cities, and we all know what happened in 2010. It was a disaster. Everybody got fired. You could also include Randy Moss, 2010. They traded for him oh, in the yeah. season. Yeah, that was yeah. in season. And you thought, oh, this is going to be Randy Moss, yep. revenge tour, and Bill Belichick was right. Yep. Well, I was going to say, uh, just during my tenure here covering the Vikings, Tremaine Brock, for one, and George Iloka. We spent a lot of time on George I. Loka. What did George sign last year? It was Was that camp. in season? I think okay. it was the beginning of camp. Okay. And it was, oh, man, now they can use all these different unique packages, <laughs> and they can move Harrison Smith up in the box. They Seven get safeties. Creative. Yeah. Now, they did get a little creative with a safety, but that safety was not George Iloka. It was J. Ron Curse, and George Iloka left a very unhappy man. I walked up to George Iloka at the, toward the end of the season. I was like, Hey, would you have a second? I just want to ask you something. And it was completely unrelated to his situation. It was just about um, quarterbacks that he'd faced. And so he's a really smart guy. And the first look at me was like, are you serious? And I was like, can I ask, are you, am I okay here? 
can I question you about some stuff? And then, and then eventually it worked out okay. But it was just like it worked out in that guy, moment okay or like no yeah I mean the, like the first question that I asked him he seemed really displeased to be being asked questions and then he sort of like okay you want to talk some general football stuff and let, let's get into it and it was it was a good conversation but George was not a happy man by the end of the season <laughs> I can tell you that the guy got like six snaps. He made one mistake against New Orleans, and Zimmer never played him again. Yeah, it was, the whole thing was bizarre. It, it was, and kind of brutal. So. I feel like like the Vikings one time went out and grabbed Robert, was it Robert Ferguson? Yeah. Off waivers Fur from the Packers. In. Javon and, Walker came in. Javon Walker, that's right. To work with Brett. That's it's gonna, right. It's going to be the chemistry is back, and then Javon was so broken down he couldn't play anymore. Yeah, there's all kinds of great examples. I feel like there was an offensive lineman they brought in. Not Jake Long... Not Jake Long. They brought they brought in offensive linemen oh, yeah, before Jake late. Jake Long, yeah. I mean, he counts, I guess. But well, yeah, knew. it wasn't it wasn't like late off season, but I mean, I think it counts as a guy that they brought in. And we all went, oh, like imagine if Jake Long yeah, gets training it back. camp move, training camp moves and are plentiful. In all seriousness, now he had a horrendous game against Philly when he first got thrown in there. But then there was a couple more games where it's like Dude, Jake Long actually looks pretty good, and then the leg. Oh my gosh, did it give out? It took the man a year and a half to walk again. Yeah. That was in Washington, right? It was in Washington, right. Mm. Okay, that's hot routes. Did you have fun, Phil? That was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, go uh, buzzkill another segment or two maybe on Mackie and Jeb with Rami today. Be All fun. Right. Go uh, get in the ice bath after <laughs> hot routes. We'll take it the rest of the way. We've got uh, minicamp offensive struggles and Kirk Cousins saying it's all about wins. Change of tune for Mr. Cousins. We will come back here on Purple Daily. I think the next level really is all about winning. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much a 500 quarterback in my career so far, and I don't think uh, that's where you want to be, and that's not, you know, why you, um, you know, are, are brought in or, or people are excited about you. So um, if I don't play well, if I don't have gaudy statistics, but we win multiple playoff games this year, the narrative will be I went to the next level. And I may not walk off the field every day feeling like I did, but if we win, that's the life of a quarterback is, is you are at the next level. And if I have my best year yet in 2019, but we're 8-8, eight and eight, I didn't go to the next level. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins there today out at minicamp. Uh, one more good answer for guys that we spent a lot of talk on that were late additions. Michael Floyd and the Kombucha Gate. I remember our friend Brian Murphy and you breaking down the excuses that Michael Floyd had for testing or missing a test or something that he was supposed to take to make sure he hadn't been drinking. And then there were traces of alcohol because of the kombucha. Yeah, that's what he claimed. But then everyone started doing uh, kombucha tests and things. I mean, it was just... Radio stations across the country were doing the kombucha challenge. They hired a quack doctor to testify in his favor that kombucha could actually make you test positive for alcohol. But then he also missed the test, and nothing really came of it, and he got like 10 catches. Where was he last year? He was in Washington last Washington, year, Washington, right? yeah. He did I surface. I don't think he did a whole lot. But the best was Courtney spent all this time on this Michael Floyd comeback story article. I mean, she talked to everybody and did this huge piece, ran it in his first game back. He made a great catch in his first night and then never did anything again. It's like, well... It was a good piece, though. Could have won an award. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this Kirk Cousins quote, Judd. Here was my reaction. Is, uh, yep, that's correct, Kirk. That's right. You have to understand that, how this fan base is looking at you. They are not looking at you as a 
project or someone that they hope gets better and improves or anything like that, what they're looking at you as a hired gun to come in here and do better than Case Keenum and get this team over the hump that everyone in the organization believes was a Super Bowl team, but maybe short of a bad game defensively and a quarterback who could not go back and forth with a team when you fall behind on offense in Case Keenum. That's why Kirk Cousins was hired as the quarterback, and if he doesn't achieve that, everything else doesn't really matter. 4,000 yards, I mean, the way that everybody has talked, the owner, the GM, the head coach, they've all said, well, it's got to be better than that, and what they're referring to might be some nuance with Mike Zimmer, but for the most part, here's where it's got to be better. W's, and that's it. So, I thought Cousins today at the podium was very interesting to listen to. And I think that's as much as I've heard him say in a long time as far as, far as oh, hey, that's intriguing. Not just, you know, I'm just trying my best to be up, up there and be the corporate quarterback, Kirk Cousins. However, what I think we also heard today was much more an attempt at, at self-awareness that we now have to see pay off. I think Cousins knows that and, you know, through various forms has been told what you did last year really didn't work. And and I think this is Cousins' problem when it comes to uh, teammates, when it comes to fans, when it comes to media, is the the fine line between really being in control and saying, that guy knows what he's talking about, and I respect that, and... What we've seen from a lot of guys, which is you should listen to me because I'm the quarterback. And by acknowledging what we all know statistically, right? By acknowledging I am a 500 career quarterback, which he is, I think he's trying to tell us I get it too now. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It's June. You can say this in June. Yep. And, and, I, and you know... When I was in my 20s and I heard players say stuff like this and I covered sports, I'd think, oh, that guy gets it now. And then we'd hit, I'll just give you an arbitrary month, November. And the season would be in full swing and things wouldn't be going right and said player would be back to being who he was previously. So beyond giving Cousins credit now for uh, being more self-aware and acknowledging something that we all know to be true... I now have to see if he can pay this off by really realizing who he is, and thus that is the way for him to improve himself. I mean, I I do want to make a point. I'm not saying this to be back-padding, but I'm saying it to mean, believe us when we tell you. Like last year, we talked about this a lot, how he was coming across in press conferences. And we talked about it, and we talked about it, and a lot of times I would get tweets or we'd get phone calls. It's like, what do you make it such a big deal out of this for? It's not a big deal to me. It doesn't make a difference. I'm going to go home and play video games later. <laughs> Who it makes a difference to is the people inside the locker room. Mm-hmm. And I think last year there was one particular incident that comes to mind, but more than one that come uh, that I can think of pretty quickly. They beat the heck out of the Dolphins in Stefanski's first game. And Cousins throws a pick six. After the game, he says, well, you know, I was supposed to get a block there. And everybody who remembers the play at all or sees any replay in the 1,000 highlight shows that come after us week 17 or whatever it was, week 15, knows that it was Kyle Rudolph that was supposed to be out there a little faster than he was, and that threw off the timing of the play, and that's why the guy was able to jump it and pick it off. 
And it was just a really clear, this guy did something wrong. It wasn't on me. Mm-hmm. And I think he's heard about that this offseason, probably from some people. I don't know if it's teammates or the organization or whoever it might be, or realized through last year that going up there after games and pointing in different directions or in his first press conference saying, well, my win-loss record, you know, you can't really look at that too closely because this went wrong or there was the other thing or it's outside. That all those things might be true, what you're saying, and you're telling us, yeah, this is who made the mistake on that play. So great information. I'm glad that you let me know, and I'm interested in that information. Right. But where it's problematic is inside the locker room where you have guys going, wait a minute, man. Okay, you didn't do everything perfect on this day either. Right. And you're the one that goes up to the podium to speak for the whole team. You have to be the one that puts it on you. And this right here, to come out and say, hey, you know what? That 500 record, that's got to change in order for people to see me differently. I mean, I think it does show a level of self-awareness that was lacking from last year. Now, whether it actually carries over and when the bullets start flying and things start going wrong, which they inevitably will, you're not going to go 16-0. and How is he going to handle that? Is he going to change his approach in those post games? Is he going to change even just, I think it was a window a bit into the attitude of him last year. Like, well, the offensive line's bad and we don't have a number three receiver. That's not on me. But... The unfortunate reality is, dude, you signed the contract that took all the cap space, so it is on you. He likes to deflect, too. And and today, so here's where I'm not sold yet. In one answer today, he, he talked about dialing uh, back how much he is basically saying out there and trying to direct things because he tried to do that a lot last year to basically establish himself and said, now I've been here a year, so I'm dialing that back. But then... In another answer, he talked about still essentially coaching players up and and about the fact that if they all walked off the field now and he's trying to say if if uh, Kyle didn't do his job this time, that's my fault because I should have directed him to do his job. And that sounds good, but that's that is goes back to something the players, I think, resent again, which which is which is week 17 of last year, Thielen and Cousins. And Cousins telling Adam what to do, and you can tell Thielen's like, don't tell me what to do. And I don't think that Cousins understands that not everybody, no no matter the position, is gifted with the ability to be that guy. I don't think he gets that. I think he thinks salary and position status give him that job, but it doesn't. You can't just say, I'm that guy. And guys will bristle about that, which brings us to an interesting question. Which is, if you are Sam Bradford, and Bradford was not a guy who I don't think yelled and screamed, and I don't think he pointed fingers, I think he was very diplomatic about things, but he was not a guy that struck you as, well, that's a quarterback type, but did he have the right approach knowing his personality? And as, Because Cousins is playing, in my opinion, he's attempting to play the role of a quarterback without necessarily having the quarterback personality. Bradford said, you know, I've got talent and I'm good at my position, but I'm not that guy, and and I know it. And he got dinged for that, but he might not have been wrong. What I've really always found fascinating just about the quarterbacks and the many people that we've watched play the position over uh, even just the time that I've been here is how different all of their personalities were, for sure. And 
Mike Zimmer was trying desperately in training camp before 2017 to get Sam Bradford to bring his personality out a little more, to have a little more fun with the guys and get to know people a little bit better and show a little more emotion out there when they make a great play and things like that. And it was really interesting to see how everybody came around on Sam Bradford in that locker room to the point where Kyle Rudolph was talking about going on a skiing trip with him after the season and things like that, that they ended up getting pretty close with Sam Bradford. And I always have wondered if that would have paid dividends too. not that they didn't have a great season, but if we would have been talking about Bradford as the franchise quarterback, if in 2017, if he stays healthy, because he did start to establish himself as more of that guy. The 2016, and even his time before that, he never really was that. I'm the clear-cut leader guy, and it's all on my shoulders. But the thing that he never did was make it sound like it wasn't his fault. I mean, after that, I remember after that night with um, Chicago, where North Turner uh, resigned, and I asked him point blank, like, what happened? I mean, what was going on with the deep drops and stuff? That wasn't something you did before. And he explained it, and he didn't make it sound like it was anybody else's fault. He didn't. And maybe behind the scenes, he was going crazy. And I imagine he was and wanted Shermer to be in charge. But at least the public face of it was, hey, uh, it wasn't good enough for me. And I needed to make plays here. And I didn't. And and this was a disappointing game. Sort of the things that you wanted to hear from a franchise quarterback. And with so many veterans on the team, it's almost like you're talking about this is exactly right. Because what you're saying is he's talking about, I got to leave these guys better. I got to leave these guys better. Yeah, and they're saying, no, you don't. I and that's right. I don't think that Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen need that from him. Right. I think Irv Smith needs that from him. Garrett Bradbury probably does. But last year when he made a crack about Nick Easton not snapping the ball right or calling out the protections too fast or something, it's like, dude, Nick Easton doesn't need you to teach him how to do these things. Mm-hmm. He was on the team last year that won 13 games well, as a starter. And guys know, they're not dumb, guys know when you're full of BS and not. Prime example, when Teddy said, and it's a hilarious quote, but when Teddy said, this is Vlad Dukas' team, we all laughed. But I think in that room, it works. Guys are like, you know what? This guy's serious. This guy, he can lead. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, yeah. got, he's got that intangible, and yep. I don't know. It's a it's a gift from God. I don't know exactly what that is, but he's got that. If Kirk Cousins turns around tomorrow and says, you know, take your pick of third-string O-lineman, this is his team. Everyone in that room is like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. So so the question is, is Kirk now evolving and and learning something, or is what we're seeing right now a bit of a polishing in the month of June when things when wins and losses aren't being decided and it's much simpler to say the right things as opposed to October when you've just lost a tough game and guess what? Somebody didn't run the right route. Yep. And I'm going to make it clear in some way, shape, or form that Matthew Collar knows that I know that somebody else screwed me. I think what it is, at least for this moment, is an acknowledgement that last year this was an issue. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't just a thing that the media focused on. Otherwise, he wouldn't change it. Otherwise, he wouldn't go out of his way to say on a question about something not related to his win-loss record. It was, where can he take himself to the next level? He could have said anything. He could have said the play action. He could have said, you know, whatever. He talked about the analytics and trying to learn where the, the spaces he was that he was good and bad from the numbers and things like that. He went there on purpose to kind of put it out there, I think, 
to everybody, including his team. He knows that his team's going to pay attention to these things and what he says. To put it out there to everybody, I'm about winning, and I'm not about just my numbers or whether I did something right or wrong. And I'm going to put a focus on, because he did allude to, it's on me to make people better, like you said. So it all kind of comes back to him. And whether that actually comes to fruition or not, I don't know. But it's, it's sort of like admitting you have a problem is the first step. And yes. that was. And I think that your point is exactly right to bring up Teddy Bridgewater because all these guys played with Teddy. All these guys played with Case. And Teddy Bridgewater, I wrote an article about this not too long ago, last year when they played the Saints. But Bridgewater would take guys that you never heard of as Vikings fans, bring them over to his area of the locker room, with Delvin Cook, with Terrence Newman, and sit there and hang out with him and talk to him on Fridays and things like that. He had a little, he called it the neighborhood, and he would invite guys over. And it was just one of those things where he's a special person when it came to relating to people. There aren't too many athletes I've ever been around like this in how many years, and probably same for you, how many years of covering sports. It's just different. But when you come from that to Kirk, who I think is probably closer to the norm with this stuff, don't you think, I mean... There's some guys who are better at like molding the words, but I think Kirk, I think a lot of them see themselves as I'm the guy. Yeah, but I I, I think I think Kirk has watched uh, Brady operate for years now and thought to himself, how can I emulate that sort of uh, corporate feel that Tom has? But Tom has a ton of rings and intangibles again. Yeah, we don't even I, think I about things. I he would says say this matter. about Kirk: I don't think I have any clue who he is. I think that's a I don't yeah, think I, I think have any, right. I think I think what we get is it's it's like you've gone to the local toy store and bought the uh, quarterback doll and he's got a string a puppet string you pull him back a hi I'm Kirk Cousins quarterback of the Vikings and I'm going to get my best from all my teammates that's how I would say That's why that, I thought today was different by the way. Yes, but I would say that I don't have any real clue who he is. And I don't think his teammates for the most part do. And and so they don't know exactly when he says things. Are we getting really him, or or the polished image of what he wants us to believe is him? And that is a problem, not just in sports, but in the business world, lots of places. I guess so what I'm not I, just blaming the him. way that I was thinking it. And I'm sorry, Jonathan, we're late for break. Um, the way that I was thinking of it is just that the general thought process of most quarterbacks, how many of you heard have had their leadership questioned in the NFL? Is it like 80% of quarterbacks that have been around for a couple of years? Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, they're almost everybody. Sure. Even Joe Flacco for not uh, helping young quarterbacks. And then he's a Super Bowl champion. They're, most get their leadership questioned at some point, And a lot of them have that, I'm the franchise quarterback guy. I'm the one who teaches you the offense. I'm I'm the most important person here. And I think some guys are a little better at playing the media game in front of the podium than Kirk Cousins is. But the fact that he was not particularly good at it last year, especially after games, would make it a little even more clear. Like this is how this is how I kind of think. I think I'm even to use the word coaching, I'm coaching you. Like, well, wait a minute. You're just another player. Why why are you using the word coaching? That means you're putting yourself on a different level yes. than me. And you are ultimately, right now at least, in this point in your career, a 500 quarterback. Right. So you shouldn't be coaching me. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, there is a quarterback going into his team's Hall of Fame who I think should go into the real Hall of Fame and is one of the most underrated players 
of all time. I want to discuss for a couple minutes when we return here on Purple Daily. I don't know that I am stepping it up at all. If anything, I may be dialing it back a little bit. I think last year I wanted to um, you know, assert myself as best I could so that there wasn't a you know, slow transition. But I, I do think this year it's just been you know, business as usual, and I don't think I've been any different. I don't think anybody would say I've suddenly turned the dial up at all. If anything, just more methodical and more trying to go about my business and, and do my part and, um, and make sure I'm, I'm coaching others, helping others, so that you know, we're all on the same page. Kirk Cousins on his approach in year two, now that he knows a lot of his teammates better than he did as they were installing the offense last year. Real quick, Judd. <laughs> installing the offense again today. I know, and it was Ooh. rough. It was rough. And he was not happy. No, no. His body language was bad, and he, at one point, screamed timeout. Yeah, he called, yeah. He huddle him. everybody back up because they couldn't get something right, so he was clearly frustrated. Um but before we wrap up, the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans are putting into their team Hall of Fame Steve McNair and Eddie George. Eddie George uh, is an obvious one of the better running backs of the era, maybe overrated because he had such a great college career. But they're also, with Steve McNair, in my mind, he is a Hall of Fame quarterback because they put in Kurt Warner. And to me, Steve McNair had just as good of a career and came about six inches short of winning a Super Bowl there. And completely changed the trajectory of a franchise had a MVP season. And I was looking through the similarity scores on pro football reference, where they take uh, the approximate value of a guy over his career and compare some are historical, but Donovan McNabb, Terry Bradshaw, Ken Stabler, Troy Aikman, Mark Brunel are the similarity scores. And then you add his running to that, which was magnificent and exciting. And I, I think he, deserves to be in that conversation 91 and 62 i i wonder was he really 91 and 62 91 and 62 wow. i didn't realize career. the winning yeah. percentage was that high yeah so i don't know i wonder if he ever even gets a sniff i think that he belongs in that conversation for a hall of fame quarterback i haven't heard his name in that conversation of you i no, don't recall not at all hearing that and you know what i think is part up? of it that's really unfair is that he was cheating on his wife when he got killed yeah and i think people judged him for that which i is totally unfair that's probably true though you're not wrong All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. It's been a fun Purple Daily, so guess what? We'll do it again tomorrow. One more minicamp practice. Yeah, then they're off. And then I'm taking a vacation next week. They need more practice, though. We'll see you tomorrow.